All right, welcome back to Getting Real with Jason Lopez. I am your host, Jason Lopez. I appreciate everyone uh, tuning in today and uh, hopefully have some great information for you on this, uh, this episode. So we're nearing the end of January. I hope your new year has started off on the right foot and we're settling into 2020. Certainly a lot going on. So what I want to do for you guys today is kind of recap uh, a webinar that I was uh, a participant of uh, earlier this week. Um, this was a webinar that was conducted by Brian Boero. Brian is a co-founder and partner in a digital design company called A Thousand Watt. And A Thousand Watt has become kind of the go-to digital agency for real estate. They do some really creative things. Um, they're thought leaders in our industry. And both Brian and his partner, Mark, and their entire team at A Thousand Watt does a great job of, um, of, of what I, I like to look at as scuba diving, right? They kind of go deeper than just the surface level that a lot of people and companies kind of, uh, kind of swim in uh, when it comes to design and branding and marketing uh, in real estate. So I'm going to kind of piggyback off of what Brian talked about in this webinar. And he kind of framed this around uh, real estate is getting weird. And so that's the theme we're going to go go with is, is, is really, you know, why is real estate so weird? So um, I want to cover a few things that Brian talked about. Number one is kind of uh, kind of where we've come from in real estate, kind of where we are and where we want to be going or where we think we should be going as an industry. And so we're going to talk a little bit about technology and some uh, some disruption and some innovation and, uh, and, and things like that. So um, they didn't record the session and he did have some slides, um, but I took copious notes, several pages of notes, and that's really what I'm going off of today. But I did want to give Brian and a thousand watt a shout out, a shout out. Um, and uh, and uh, really highly recommend that if you guys are considering any type of design work, website work, branding, collateral, marketing, anything like that, reach out to 1000 Watt. It's just 1000 Watt, like the number 1000, W-A-T-T dot net, 1000 Watt dot net. So I uh, definitely check them out. So something Brian said that wasn't the first thing he said, but it's one of the things that caught my attention and kind of lays the foundation for this entire discussion around the weirdness in real estate. And he said, when reasonable people do things, other reasonable people think is insane, change is coming. I'm going to repeat that. When reasonable people do things, other reasonable people think is insane, change is coming. And so I want to come back to that in a, in a little while. Um, one of the things he also talked about, and I, and I really believe as well, is when we kind of look at where we are on the spectrum of real estate, um, we're kind of... Um, between innovation and disruption. Now, I know disruption and disruptors have become uh, has become kind of a buzzword in real estate uh, as we see some of the companies that have been coming into the business with different business models and different platforms and trying to be disruptive. Um, and so we're we're kind of in between the the kind of the uh, at the far end of innovation leading into disruption. Now, after disruption is is when destruction happens. Okay, so I'm going to come back. Uh, I'm going to come back to that as well. So Brian started off the session by talking about kind of his point of view, um, where he kind of 
wishes things go for real estate in the, in the next five or 10 years. And so I want to cover those first because I think there's a lot of things to kind of chew on um, with these thoughts. And the first thing Brian talked about was um, he, he, he envisions an industry where selling or buying real estate um, uh, for when, when you're selling or buying real estate, it should be meaningfully less difficult and time consuming. So it should be way easier and take way less time. Okay. Now, why does it take 30, 40, 50, 60 days sometimes to close a real estate transaction? Well, in the industry, we know why. A, if there's a mortgage, it just takes that long to go through the mortgage process, verify credit, assets, income, um, uh, employment statuses. And so you've got a whole bunch of moving parts and different people that move the process along. So that process only moves as fast as those people can move. And sometimes the clients, the buyers, um, aren't quick at getting documentation back to the lender. Um, so that can, that can delay things. We've also got contingency and inspection periods, right? So there might be a two or three week period for the, for the buyers to do their inspections. Um, maybe they have a home to sell as well. So they need to sell that before they can move forward on their purchase. So there's a lot of reasons why um, it can be difficult and time consuming to, to buy or sell a home. Now, is that changing? Absolutely. We're already seeing, you know, the iBuyers, as an example, coming in and being able to buy a home in 10 days for cash. So it eliminates a lot of the time consuming aspects and in turn makes it easier to do that. We'll come back and talk a little bit more about iBuyers in just a little bit. The second vision uh, he talked about was um, a, a world where tech and data have brought about a more liquid, vibrant, and bigger housing market, a more liquid, vibrant, and bigger housing market. So technology and data, AI in particular, but all of this, this big data talk, I mean, what has all of it done, really done, to make, uh, to make our market, our industry more liquid, to make it more vibrant, and to make the housing market grow? Well, some would argue it hasn't. You know, I look at technology as, as an example, and I think I've mentioned this in a prior episode, that to me, over the last 10 or 12 years, uh, the biggest um, uh, implementation of technology in real estate has been the digital signature platforms. That's the one piece of tech that has really made our life easier and streamlined things and made it more efficient and easier uh, to actually write contracts, to, to negotiate deals, and to even work the contract to close in terms of getting disclosures and other documentation signed uh, without having to either mail it, fax it, or drive it over and have somebody sign it, right? So, um, so there's, been, there's been there. But when we talk about liquidity, vibrancy, and, and more inventory, what, what, what technology, what piece of data is going to impact those areas? And so I think that's something to watch. I don't have the answer for that. I don't think Brian really did either. We need to pay attention to that. Um, the iBuyer process could play a role in that. The contract to close our transaction management process could play a, a, a role in that as well. So we'll, we'll, we'll kind of see how that plays out. But there's a lot of things happening in those areas around technology and data. Uh, and then the third thing was uh, a world where great agents and brokers don't have to compete with inferior agents and brokers. And I love that thought. I love the fact that as our normal market cycle changes and we move uh, from this top of the market where we've been for a lot longer than we normally are, by the way, and not just at the top of the market, but in, when we look at kind of that new normal market cycle, 
the period of time we stay in each cycle. And I've mentioned this before as well, but when we look at the, at the real estate cycles, right, we're at the top of the market or near the top of the market. The next cycle is the downturn, right? After when you reach a peak, you inevitably have to have a downturn. At some point in the downturn, we reach the bottom, we bottom out, and then we have a recovery leading back to, you know, uh, to, to the top of the market again. And they just re- repeat themselves over and over. Now, the time that we stay in each cycle, the amount of time that we stay in each cycle um, in terms of the, where we are in this current cycle is way longer, years longer than normal. So it begs the question, is this the new normal? Well, that will, we'll have to wait and see. But um, one thing we do know is, especially in the downturn, a lot of inferior agents and brokers simply get out of the business. When the market's good, you see people dusting off their real estate licenses um, and coming back into the business, you know, from selling cars or working in in restaurants or some other business and and capitalizing on the good market, right? And they almost become order takers, right? It's like, hey, do you want fries with that house kind of a mentality? But when the market turns and things get challenging, they go away. Well, I think in this next downturn, we're going to see some of those agents go away for good. And the reason is because great agents and brokers and companies are going to really rise to the top. And the uh, barrier to entry or re-entry is going to be much higher. It's going to be harder for those inferior agents to get into the business. So I love this thought. Um, the other thing that I really think about is um, it, it, it just it, it, it forces us to really think about our level of service and the experiences that, that we create. So I'm going to talk a little bit more about that as well. But, but that's what Brian really kind of started with. This is kind of the, this, uh, this point of view. And wouldn't it be great if these things could happen? And this is where we saw our business um, in the next five to 10 years. Now, we want to kind of think about where are we, right? Where are we currently um, in the business. And so the, the, uh, again, kind of in between that innovation and, and disruption phase and, and starting to see some companies, um, uh, that run by very reasonable people who are doing things that other reasonable people think is insane. Um, so we know change is coming for sure. Um, and so to give you an idea of some of these unreasonable things, I'm going to use some examples that Brian used, and, I, and these are all companies that we know outside of real estate. But I love the perspective that he gave of each of these examples. First one being Uber. And I love the idea that, you know, what is Uber? What, what really, really, what is Uber? And if you think about it, it it's a digital, a digital hitchhiking app, right? Digital hitchhiking. And we've been told forever don't hitchhike, don't talk to strangers, right? And yet we're willing to get into a stranger's car um, and, and get a ride from point A to point B. And, and we're not, not only are we willing, we're way past willing. It's normal now, right? It's, it's not insane anymore. It's not unreasonable. It's normal. This is how a lot of people live. A lot of people in a lot of urban areas in, in particular don't have cars anymore. They don't have a primary mode of transportation. Their primary mode of transportation is getting in an Uber or a Lyft, right? So insane idea that has become normal. The other one is Airbnb, right? Uh, what is it? What is the Airbnb value proposition? Uh, hey, I'm going to sleep on some stranger's couch and pay them to do it. How crazy is that, right? Like I'm going to go sleep on some random person's couch or in their spare bedroom, and I'm going to pay somebody. It's like, what the F, right? It's like, oh my gosh, again, an insane idea that is now completely normal. And, and you know, I use myself as an example. I love Airbnb. I really, I really do. I, I understand that there are some challenges in some communities with Airbnb in, in, in complete uh, transparency mode here. My neighbor 
um, just moved to a, a home closer to work. They've got young kids. They were spending several hours a day in the car to commute in San Diego, where I'm at. And rather than selling their house, they were in a position to buy a new house and keep their their, their other home, which happens to be across the street from me as an Airbnb. It's kind of a pain in the ass. I'm going to be honest with you. We've had to call them or text them a few times in the dead of night saying, you know, hey, are you awake? Because we are. And, you know, they do the best they can to not, you know, rent to people that are throwing parties and things like that. But let's be honest, people using Airbnbs aren't always honest about what their intentions are. So there are challenges. But on the other hand, I love it. When I travel, I prefer to stay in an Airbnb, especially if I'm going to be in a city where maybe I've never been um, or I haven't been to for a long time and I really want to get the vibe of the city, right? So I'm going to get an Airbnb out in the suburbs or in a community or a hot neighborhood where there's lots of restaurants and bars, take advantage of the, and being able to capitalize on a full experience of being in that, in that city. So, um, so that's kind of where we are, right? <laughs> reasonable people doing things that other reasonable people think is insane. All right. The next step in this, uh, in this process guys is, is where are we heading, right? Where are we going with this business? Where's all of this leading? And so he actually showed a slide here that I thought was pretty funny. And I think it was three elephants. There's like a tall, medium and a short elephant and they're all eating from the tree leaves. Right. Um, and then in the second slide, uh, there's only one elephant left and it's the tall one, right? So it's a, it's a process of natural selection that's going to happen, right? So when we talk again about those inferior agents and brokers going away, that's just natural selection taking its course, right? If you're not good enough, you won't last in this business, okay? It's just that's what it's going to come down to. I'm going to talk a little bit more about that shortly. Um, and, and so those who don't adapt um, are just not going to be around. Those who do adapt not only, not only will it be about survival, it will be about thriving, right? So it's not just simply survive, it will be thrive because your standard of care, your level of service, the experiences that you will create are going to be great. And, and so you're going to thrive and grow um, because natural selection has weeded out the inferior uh, product, so to speak. Okay. So Let's look at some areas uh, and some companies that have come in um, that that kind of are, are maybe leading into this natural selection. And I mentioned the iBuyers. And I've talked about iBuyers before. But again, I loved Brian's take. What is the iBuyer value proposition? Well, when you really break it down, it is, hey, sell me your house below market value and pay me a premium price to do it. That's the iBuyer proposition, value proposition. Sell me your house below market and pay me a premium to do it. It sounds insane, but yet they have found a niche and now they're starting to grow. And we're going to see their market share growing and growing. Uh, when we look at other, um, maybe from the outside looking in, uh, what people might perceive to be uh, traditional real estate companies, companies like Compass, as an example, you know, they're, they're delivering a modern real estate experience. Okay, now I want you to think about this. And the slide Brian showed here was genius. And he said it was right outside his office in Oakland. And this is what the ad said. Compass, delivering a modern real estate experience. Now, that, what he's looking at is an ad on a bus bench. How modern is advertising on a bus bench? Not very, right? So what this comes down to, what Compass is really doing, what the iBuyers are really doing is they're using the power of storytelling. They're just telling a better story, 
than the rest of us in a lot of cases. And it doesn't mean that they're actually better. And I think you can make a pretty strong argument that if a company is delivering, is advertising on a bus bench and the messaging is delivering a modern real estate experience, yeah, there's some question about whether or not that's true. But they're painting a picture that people like, that people are buying into. They're telling the story. So when we look at iBuyers, their value proposition will do it faster. That's the value proposition. The, uh, the, the discount brokers, Look at Redfin as an example, right? You're starting to see their billboards all over the place. List your home with Redfin for 1%. We'll do it cheaper, right? But what they're not saying is list your home with Redfin for 1% and, oh, by the way, pay 2 or 2.5% to the buyer broker, right? That's not the story they're telling. They're telling the story of 1%. We'll do it cheaper. Now, history has told us that if people wanted the cheapest experience possible when it comes to selling their home, Help You Sell would probably be the biggest real estate company in the world. They've been doing the discount broker thing for a lot longer, back to the 70s, I believe, than anyone else, right? So they've got that really early mover advantage, uh, but they don't tell the story the same way that Redfin tells the story, do they? And then we look at, at Compass, this modern real estate experience, better, we'll do it better. When I look at Compass, um, really, I, I see Coldwell Banker in a lot of ways. I see a very traditional real estate company with a different approach. Um, they have grown quickly um, and they've done it by buying other companies, by going after smaller, uh, productive, independent real estate brokerages and markets they want to be in or uh, recruiting teams and top agents by paying bonuses and things like that. And I'm not, I'm not faulting the, their model. You know, It's working for them, I guess, in, to, to some degree. But the picture, the story they're telling is about better. Right. So the cool thing is we can we can do the same thing. And that was Brian's third point where we had in leads into now. What do we do about it? What do we do about it? And and these are three ideas that I, I've embraced through most of my career and, and done a lot of a lot of training around the problem with agents. And I'm talking to agents now, real estate agents. You need to start doing the work. OK, you need, you, you know. I, this is my 26th year in real estate and, you know, okay, it took me, you know, 20 years to become an overnight success. You know why the top agents are top agents. You see them in your markets. You see them in your offices. You know, they're driving around in nice cars, but they didn't just end up that way. They do the work. They put in the blood, the sweat, the tears. They did the open houses. They knocked the doors. Um, they, they built their business. So with these three ideas, I want you to think about doing the work around this, um, and what the benefit could be to you maybe in, in, a, in a year or two or five, right? I mean, if you, in five years, you're going to be in a totally different place. Think back five years ago. Who were you? What, 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 did you, what did your life look like? What did your business look like? Hopefully, you're in a much better place. But you may not be. You may, you may be in a worse place, but you're not the same as you were five years ago. And five years is not that much time, right? So think about it when it comes to what you need to do about the weirdness going on in real estate. First uh, piece of advice Brian gave, think experience. And what we're talking about is the experience your customers are having. What does the customer experience look like? And really, guys, you should be thinking about what does the customer experience feel like, right? Because people care way more about how you make them feel than any piece of advice or, or information you could share with them. So you really need to think a lot and implement systems and strategies around your customer experience, okay? Second thing, 
was you really need to get serious about loyalty. One of the biggest mistakes I see newer agents to the business, uh, and even some even some people that have been around now five, six, seven years, is they're constantly in next mode, right? It's next, next, next. And they're leaving this wake of, of clientele and business behind them, okay? So you need to get serious about, about client loyalty. I hate the term, and I've always hated the term past clients. Like I'm marketing to my past clients. They're not past clients, guys and gals. They're clients. Past client insinuates they're not your client anymore, right? One of the, one of the points Brian made was talking about leads, and, and he asked the question, you know, what, what, is, a, what is a lead? And a lead is, um, is just a person, another agent uh, lost, right? That, that's what a lead is. So you need to think about building clients for life and, and what does your loyalty program look like? And to me, guys, this comes back to the four laws of real estate marketing, according to the real estate uh, 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 millionaire real estate agent, the MREA Red Book. And it's, it's the first law is build a database. You need to have a place where you put your people. Secondly, you need to feed the database, consistently getting people in every day, adding people and building the database. Third, consistently and systematically market to the database. And then fourth, service all the leads you generate because of the first three things you did. So when it comes to that client loyalty, having a database, having a CRM system where you can send out value-added information, where you're prompted to reach out and connect with people, where you can plan events and bring people together and connect and stay in front of your group so that they don't become a lead. They don't become a person you lost to somebody else. So you really need to get serious about the loyalty. And then the third thing, which I kind of talked about earlier, is you need to figure out how to tell a better story. Tell a better story. And, and so the way I look at this, and I've done this exercise with some of my agents before, is if, I'm, if we're sitting in a room and I asked 30 agents sitting in that room, why should I choose you as my agent? And then I wrote down all the answers, right? You're going to see a pattern that develops. You're going to see four, five, six different things being repeated over and over that everybody says, right? Well, I'm, I, I'm experienced. Um, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a local native uh, to the area. So I know the neighborhoods really, really well. Um, you know, whatever the case may be, there's going to be these four five, six things that get repeated over and over and over again. So if that's the case, you guys are all telling me the same things. What makes you unique? What makes your story compelling enough for me to choose you as my agent? So you need to, you need to scuba dive on this. And as I mentioned, when I say scuba dive, what I mean is you need to go deep. You need to go deeper than just floating along the surface and figure out how you can tell a better story. An example might be if you're tracking your numbers and you know that your listings on average sell in 19 days at 99% of list price and the average agent in the market sells in 32 days at 94% of list price, you could tell a very compelling story, right? Mr. and Mrs. Seller, you're going to want to list with me because on average, my uh, listing sell for 5 to 6% more than the average agent, which means at the close of escrow, you're going to have more money in your pocket to use towards your new home or whatever it is you want to do. And by the way, my homes also sell on average about 19 days faster. So we're going to get you to your destination quicker. We're going to be well within the timeframes. And, uh, and, and, and that's one reason you're going to want to list with me. So you need to tell a better story um, with, with your clients. Um, so when you think about these stories, and I love this one that Brian shared, and, and I think I knew this, but I never really thought about it 
from this perspective. And that's what I love about listening to lots of different thought leaders and people in the business and outside the business talk is because I might have heard something a hundred times, but then you hear it from somebody different uh, with a, with a little different perspective and all of a sudden it really resonates with you. And this is what happened to me with this story. And he was talking about Amazon and um, the fear about Amazon, especially when they really started growing was, you know, it was going to put all of the local retailers and kind of the mom and pops out of business. But that's not what happened, is it? Amazon didn't kill small independent bookshops. It killed the big box brand shops. It killed the Barnes and Nobles and the and the borders of the world, right? But the independent local bookstores sh- book have actually thrived, right? And why is that? Well, it's because they're focused on the consumer experience, right? These these bookstores have become um, part of the community, part of the fabric of the community. They bring people together. They hold events. They make it fun. Um, and oh yeah, by the way, you can buy books there. Now you might still buy books from Amazon, but you're 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 going to go to the local bookshop and hang out. It's like for me going to a record store. You know, I collect vinyl, and and so I love. We have a couple of local record stores here in San Diego, and I love to go and buy the vinyl. But I might go into a record shop. And talk to the owner about music and bands we like, and go, you know, spend two hours sifting through the through the bins, and and maybe walk out without buying anything. Right? It's the experience that I enjoy of going there. And it's the same thing with with the bookshop. So, um, so the story wasn't it's going to kill the independents. The reality is it killed the big box stores. Right? And again, it was because of the focus on the customer experience. Now, I'm going to wrap this up talking about the loyalty piece. And I loved this idea. And this is actually based on National Association of Realtors Research. And Brian calls it the 85-15 problem. And the 85-15 problem is this. Uh, According to the National Association of Realtors, 85% of people who bought and sold homes, this is from their profile of home buyers and home sellers they do. And it's been about the same numbers every year. 85% of people who bought and sold homes said they would use their agent again. They would use that same agent. 85%, overwhelming majority, said they would use the same agent again. The problem is only 15% do. Okay? So that's the 85-15 problem. 85% said they would use you again, only 15% do. Why is that? Well, it's because you're not focused on loyalty. You're focused on next, right? You're leaving awake. You're creating leads for other agents because you're losing them. Now, Here's what we need to get real about too, and I and I love this idea. In in that gap between 85 and 15 percent, what's happened, guys, is all the things we hate about real estate are things we've actually created because we weren't focused on 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 the loyalty piece. We created the Zillows of the world. We we created the um, uh, the the the, the eye buyers of the world, etc. Right. So uh, we were so focused on eating all that junk food right? That in that gap, all these bad, ugly things that we hate um, came to be. So we need to take some responsibility for that. And I really, I really struggled with this next idea that Brian talked about because um, I've had success and many of you have had success uh, dealing with internet leads. Okay. But internet leads have become a distraction. IDX has enabled every listing in the market to be everywhere. Okay. And so I want you to, and I want you to visualize a slide that he put up that you've taken a listing. So in the middle, in the middle of the screen is a picture of a house and coming off that house are thousands of little arrows pointing to the Zillow's and realtor.com's and Trulia's and home.com homes.com sites of the world. Okay. But guys, it's more than that. 
every real estate company has a website, every brokerage, every agent in that brokerage has a website. Some of them have multiple websites. So when I look at San Diego and there's like, I don't know, 16, 17, 18,000 realtors in San Diego that all have websites, there are literally tens of thousands of websites that our listings are syndicated to through IDX. So the internet leads have distracted us from the realities of what we need to be focused on. Our marketing got watered down because our marketing um, value became going to an, a seller's home and sitting down and saying, hey, look, when you list with me, I'm going to put your house on the internet. It's going to be broadcast everywhere. And that's what we did. Okay. So when we come back to that gap, how do we go from 85.15 to 85.85? I mean, and you got to move the needle, go to 50%, go to 60, 70, 75, you know, you can get there, but you need to focus on building a system around a loyalty program, staying top of mind, um, staying relevant, continuing to build value and add value uh, to your clients so that you can, uh, you can make sure that you're building a database and that you're building clients for life, right? So um, stop trying to be all things to all people, okay? You're, you're more than just a syndicator, right? You're a local community professional and an expert on real estate who has superior knowledge uh, about what's going on locally than any computer algorithm could ever possibly have, right? So, um, so, so again, I, I just wanted to thank Brian and Thousand Watt and their staff for putting that webinar together. Um, I wanted to make sure I mentioned them many times through this podcast because um, I think they do a great job and, um, and, and you should definitely check out a thousandwatt.net if you're interested in looking at what they can help you with. I don't get anything for saying that. I'm just wanting to be a friend and uh, because I appreciate all, all that they've done for us. Hopefully you got some good things out of that. I appreciate you tuning in. And uh, if you guys ever have questions or topics you'd like me to discuss, shoot me an email, jason at joinreal.com, and I will uh, be happy to address those. All right, you guys, have a great weekend. We'll catch up next time. Take care.